Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Timothy Michael McKernan. Action Jackson with you for an hour of uh, radio brilliance is what this is actually called now. You, you, you've you set the table to you, what you've done, Jackson, is you've whet my appetite. Ooh. Because I like the, the questions you have prepared today. Broadcasting, sports business, games changing, those kinds of things. And by that I mean rules or evolution or regression gambling those those things those will get my synapses firing on this show you look distracted right now what's the problem come sorry here, my, just... come here my sweet prince <laughs> are you watching south carolina game film no hopefully no game film will need to be watched that's the hope 11 and a half point wood. number is what i see yeah that sounds about right uh no sorry i was just getting everything situated with the board over here i'm ready to rock i'm ready to get into it okay. I, I also like the sports business in college i was a sport management major and my favorite class was the business of sport. It was by far, the, I thought, the most interesting class. And you went got, to Florida Gulf Coast University. That was for my freshman year. And what were you managing, uh, majoring in there? Golf course, uh, not golf course, but PGA golf management. I was going to become a PGA. Your thoughts PGA on that major, 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service Tax Line. I then transferred to the University of Missouri-Columbia and then did sport management, the business of sport, or it might have been sport law, either way. A fascinating class talked about the Rams moving, the Do you regret majoring in, in, in that? No. You will soon. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed majoring in journalism, and then you realize, eh, that was a waste. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. But at 24, I still was like, ah. I'm glad I majored in journalism. Yeah. Look think, at me. Look at me. Look at me, family and friends in St. Louis. I'm on KMOV. I have a full head of hair. I'm being compared to Denzel. But now I go, eh, that was a waste of Rudy's money. Yeah. I think that just in general, like majors itself, like you can major in one thing and then your career can be totally different. You aren't so medicine, much more. Medicine, pre-med. That, that there's obvious exceptions like law and medicine are two different things, but like if you major in communications or you know business, you can do other things outside of that. Sports management also falling into that same category. A lot of business classes I had to take. So uh, business was never for me. Sport management I enjoyed. Few things make more sense than Ledoux people inventing degrees to keep the wealth amongst themselves. That's from the 636. Are we giving away tickets today because I'd like to give that text or tickets? Not from Ledoux. I just went to Ledoux High School. All of that proud. I don't know. That's too confusing for me. <laughs> it's a simple South City. All right, Jackson, what questions do we have here for your, what is it, What is today's thing called? Uh, this is Little Pills Sports Business Newsletter. Oh, all right. Uh, despite my previous sourcing of Dove Kleiman, Tom Brady will take a gap year and not begin his broadcasting career until 2024. Yeah, I saw that interview with Colin Cowherd yesterday. Yeah, yeah, so he won't start until 2024. Does this news sway you one way or, other, one way or the other to make you think he will or will not broadcast NFL games? 
Um, I would say if anything, it increases the probability that he will. My main contention continues to be I just I, and he might be fine. The issue I think he's going to run into is he is Tom Brady, one of, if not the most recognizable athletes of the 21st century. Uh, sharp looking cat. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how much money he's got. It's hundreds of millions. Yeah, I don't know if he's B yet, but either way, and and therefore what happens. Is he is? Let me give me. Would you like me to build out an abstract graph here, graph here in the in the studio? Yes. Do we have time for it? I know we're. I know we got a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, on the x-axis, we have success. Mm-hmm. On the y-axis, we have hate, mm. and there is a direct correlation between the two. Right. And so. Even if he is good, which I don't necessarily think he will be, I think he is going to get a lot of hate because he has been incredibly successful and has some of the things that a lot of people don't necessarily like when other people have. Mm. And therefore, I think he is up against it, and I think this is going to be a debacle. That is my most passionate prediction on this radio show in our 14 months of award-winning radio broadcasting. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting model and a good way of looking at it. I also think, you know, if he comes off at all, I like to me, he just strikes me as someone who's a little robotic, isn't very natural in that sense. Like he's been in movies and stuff where he's good, but that's all scripted. This is going to be off the cuff. And I just don't know if he's going to come across as personable enough to really relate to the audience. Kind Especially of if they're saying. demoting somebody who, right. you know, so that, that's where I am on that. All right, what do we have on question number two? All right, this is a question about the Bally Diamond Sports situation. Let's say I'm playing out the hand here. This is kind of a hypothetical. Okay. If Bally's Diamond does fall through and they can't fulfill the rights that they're the agreement that they made, and the MLB buys back the local TV rights from I think 14 teams, do you think Cardinals included? For the record, I think most people at this point know that, but I want to make sure I hammer that home. So let's say they do buy it back and go direct to consumer, MLB direct to consumer, to as opposed to going through a third party. Do you think that I could actually improve the broadcast and the game itself? Do you think that there could be some improvements? Well, it's kind of like my height. Can it get worse? <laughs> so I, I, I by, by default, the answer is yes. The question is how much can it improve it? And, I mean, just in general, the fact that I would imagine for a, a healthy percentage, I don't know if it would be a majority of, of the 101 ESPN audience. Mm-hmm. It's a headache to watch the Cardinals play baseball in St. Louis and can be a headache to watch the Blues play hockey in St. Louis, but we'll focus on the baseball element right now, is mind-blowing in 2023. It's mind-blowing. And and whereas so many people, when we were flying back from Jamaica last week, I don't know what show I was, I was watching 30 for 30, so I was mm-hmm. watching a football life on the NFL Network on a few different guys were flying back. And I'm just watching it on my phone, easy as can be. Yeah. But if I wanted to access that Bally's app, you know, I feel like I'd have a better chance of launching myself into outer space <laughs> than getting a clear picture. Yeah. So it's just, it's incredibly unfortunate. And then we just saw, you know, I'm a YouTube TV guy, along with being a Spectrum guy, because I just enjoy throwing money away. But I see now YouTube TV's not carrying MLB Network. Right. Because they've had a falling out. So for the life of me, I don't understand why a game that with young people 
is declining in popularity mm-hmm. with young people. I emphasize that with young people, it's declining in popularity that you're making the game and its affiliates less accessible. So you want to make it as accessible as possible. And so I would have to think the answer is yes. I can't imagine it being worse. The, the, the problem for baseball is they got burned by the outdated model becoming more outdated before they were ready for it. Right. I think what burned Bally's is they were counting on gambling being legalized in a lot of states, Missouri included. Uh, and they were going to integrate that with the broadcast and hence the name Bally's, and that's why it just it failed, in addition to Sinclair's track record of dreadful mismanagement. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. I also think the direct-to-consumer model that the MLB is thinking, like, that is the future. Well, it is like— Like, I like what the MLS is doing. Exactly. That is literally what I was about to say. Right. Is you can watch it. Not only there's I no I know it's Apple rules. TV, but— I know I can watch it, right. whether I'm in St. Louis or Florida or in Las Vegas. It doesn't matter, and I can watch it. It's just so ass backwards for the life of me. I don't understand. Now, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm going, man, we got a bunch of money. We had equity, albeit a minority position. This sucks. I get it from the Cardinals' standpoint. I understand that. I don't hate on people making money. Good for them. But as far as accessibility to fans, it's just the warmest of garbage. All right, what else do we have on this? Little Piddles. It's a newsletter. Is that what this is? Yeah, Sports Business Newsletter. So right now we're in NFL free agency. We're in, you know, trade deadlines for a couple sports. We got insiders. What sports? The National Basketball Association. Mm. Well, I know that might get people's dander up. It is extremely popular. Uh, Between guys like Schefter and Ian Rappaport and then guys like Shams and Woj, do you think there's like inner tension between these two guys, do you think they're trying to scoop each other all the time? And do you think that getting a certain amount of scoops affects their compensation? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I think I, I don't think necessarily they're paid by the scoop, right, per right, se. Right. But if you become a force, I think this is what's happened with Pete Thamel with the ESPN. Mm-hmm. He was brought in, Passan was brought in because they started to become the go-to Thamel with college sports, Passan with baseball. Right. That ESPN's like, okay, if you can't beat him, join him. Same with Woj. I mean, Woj had his own vertical, yeah, and then right. they brought him in. Mm-hmm. So that's the game. You become the contact. The, the The issue I have with that whole industry, and it, I know this may sound gross, but when I say it, I think most people will, will believe it to be true. There is a, a currency trade, and I'm not talking necessarily dollars, but, okay, you write a positive story— about me or you spin it about me or about our organization then when the time comes and we have some news to break i'll make sure you're the one that gets it right we'll give and take you yeah know? let's say a coach, it's like new york underworld stuff yeah let's say a coach you know is up for a job you may throw something out there that this person's interested in this this team's interested in this person and then the coach then has some leverage it's know? yeah and the, the games the agents play to drive up leverage for their coach their, their clients who are coaches yeah man right. so uh yeah i absolutely think that's a, a real thing i don't know if it's personal yeah per se more professional beef where it's like i want to get that scoop like i i need to get that you need to get this yeah that i don't know if that's i don't know if that stuff goes on with those guys or not i'd be really curious on that yeah back in the day like i'll i'll watch stern interview sometimes uh fallon kimmel colbert and all three of them are like yeah we're 
friends don't really think about it because you can watch their shows on YouTube or their clips on social media, whereas Leno and Letterman hated each other. Right, yeah. It's and Stern used to hate Imus because it was so competitive, and now it just doesn't matter. Right. There's so much. There's a lot more pieces of the pie to be had. Right. Yeah. I would agree. So I don't, I don't, know, I don't know on that. I, but, but yeah, absolutely. Whoever gets the most scoops on the, their respective sports has the most leverage in negotiations. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, and then this is the final part of the uh, oh, the newsletter. Okay. The newsletter. Uh, so we've seen now with the Chiefs and Bengals game, which was very uh, controversial, especially towards the end of the game with the refereeing. We've uh-huh, seen uh-huh. this in playoffs before uh-huh, where the uh-huh. Saints and Rams. There was that whole pass interference thing. Do you think football, American football, will eventually go to the European style of football with a video-assisted ref where if something, maybe under two minutes in the final quarter, if something, even like a holding call is called, they would go well, to I video. I can do with holding. It's like what they try to do with pass interference. That right. lasted one year, and that, that followed that Rams-Saints playoff game. Right, exactly. That that caused something. But when it comes to like the biggest games of the year, and, the, and then you bring in gambling element to it, which is so critical into penalties, do you think that they would consider something where more video replays would be a part of it? My answer is yes, if and only if, or if and when a play happens in a game. Maybe we're five days away from it happening, that has some kind of direct impact sure. like for example the 1985 World Series that 2019 yeah. playoff with the Saints and the Rams mm-hmm. something that is jaw-droppingly and I'm sure I'm missing others and feel free to text them in uh, I mean I know not to get you all worked up but the missed call on LeBron James oh yeah Jason in, was at Boston yeah mm-hmm. I mean that was I mean that was that, obvious that was Stunning. I mean, I realize it was a regular season game midway through the season, but imagine if that were Game Seven of the NBA Finals. Right, Holy exactly. crap! So it's, I, I, and I never understand. I don't want to say I never understand. I just respectfully disagree. If you're going to invest the time as a fan to watch and your dollars to pull for your team, don't you want to get it right, even if it takes extra time right. in order to get it right? Right. I side with with integrity over. Uh, an expedient game. Right. If, if I if I didn't want to be bothered by the time it took to watch the game, I wouldn't bother watching the game in the first place. So get the damn thing right. right. Whether it be the fans who spend dollars, many of which are a huge amount of money for, for people, you know, working people to spend the money on the tickets, or the athletes and the organizations who live for this stuff year-round, and then one call that could be corrected? Why wouldn't you want that? I just, I really truly don't get that. I don't get it. And now listen, if I were a, a baseball writer or broadcaster and I had to be at 162 of those things, and some of them are four hours, and you're going, oh my God, and now we're going to have a review, and it's 10 to 6, and you know, it's the ninth inning, and there's two outs, and we're doing this. I understand it. But the greater good, in my opinion, is served by making sure that it's correct versus that it's quick. So that's where I am on it, Jackson. I like the Sports Business Newsletter. Nice newsletter, bro. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Chris Kerber is going to join us coming up uh, in a matter of moments. You're always welcome to get involved in the show by leaving a mic drop, 101 ESPN app, or by texting in the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party driven by Munganass, St. Louis Act. Here at Tim McKernan Action Jackson with you for one hour of midday 
Magic. Thank you. Chris Kerber joins us to perform some magic, just like Doug Henning. Just like Doug Henning. Good morning, Chris. Doug Henning. <laughs> you're going to have to tell. You're, you're going to have to tell a lot of your audience, especially your producer, who that is. Jackson, do you know? God, I'm looking at him and I'm trying to pick up a read. Curbs, I, I know we we like to play poker. I can't tell if he knows who Doug Henning is based on his facial expression. I'm going to say he does. I've heard the name I'm before. No way. I've heard the name before associated with magic. He's a magician, correct? Right. All right, so I count that. But you can't picture least, Doug Henning. I can no. confuse it with Sonia Henning and think he was a figure skater and just no. her brother. Well, that is my wheelhouse. But um, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, like if Doug Henning walked in here right now, unless he pulled a rabbit out of his hat, then I wouldn't know who he is. If Doug Henning were to walk in here, number one, it would be like Tupac. But number uh, two, the fact that he would have this mullet mustache <laughs> and sequins on, you would say, oh, this gentleman isn't from around here. Right. Well. That's, that's what I would tell you regarding Doug Henning. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Boy, if you would have thought we would spend a minute on Doug Henning, you you, you get yeah. probably got paid off handsomely on that. <laughs> Curbs, what's going on with you? Uh, what has been going on for you? Have you been vacationing? Uh, what's going on with the, your all-star no, break? No, no, just uh, just uh, enjoying some extra time at home with the girls. Yeah. And, you know, we got Christy's, you know, third-grade teacher, and, you know, the other kids are in school. So it's just uh, just enjoying some Getting some things done, uh, not going as fast uh, as you know as you do during the part of the season. So, uh, just kind of enjoying a little bit slower time, but uh, nothing exotic and nothing really vacation oriented. Anything stand out to you from All Star Weekend in Sunrise, Florida? I mean, Tarasenko's comments to Jr. Certainly one thing. Matthew, the Kachuk boys having a chance to play together. Uh, anything stand out to you more than anything else? Crosby and Ovechkin getting to play together that whole thing. You know what? I, I think uh, I've said this a lot about the game of hockey, and I, maybe maybe I don't follow. And I, and I thought I followed the other sports pretty well, but but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I, I've never I've never seen a group of people or a sport that rips itself, that tears its own product down, that is as negative on a national level about its product than any other sport. Now I get it. The, the All Star Game is is awful. I mean, I understand it, but you know, there are some, there are some really good things that you can take out of it. Like you said, I mean, Ovechkin and Crosby being one of them and you know, the way these athletes interact and maybe, maybe it's that interaction that these, at some of these all-star games, because look, except for baseball, baseball is the closest thing to the real game uh, that you can get when, when it comes to all-star. So I, I think, and, and I think about what, from an all-star standpoint, things that jump out and, um, you know, like, like the NBA all-star game for me. And I, and I, and I used to watch it, but there was one time where basically Jordan and magic went one-on-one, right. Yeah, yeah. At one point in time in a game. I remember that outside of that, you know, I don't, I don't remember. You know, there's nothing that's too gripping, but uh, you come out of the all-star game and, and a couple of things pop and they're actual hockey related things. I think one, you see the Islanders trade for Bo Horvat. Pretty decent return, but then they give Bo Horvat, who's 27, an eight-year contract at eight and a half million. And I started. I said, "Geez, you know, I mean, Bo Horvat's a good player. I think there's nobody in the last seven years that's taken more faceoffs than he has. He was the captain of a team. He won 55% of those draws. Really good player. 31 goals this year. At 31 last year. That's elite, you know, without a doubt. But but his point totals have been below 60." 
And I, I kind of go, man, oh, man, like this Cairo and Thomas deal, if these guys develop into even stronger all-around players, could end up looking like an absolute bargain here over, you know, the life of that contract, depending on how it goes. So I, that, I, I, I thought about that one, you know, is, is what pops out to me. And then, you know, I just kind of I watched that game last night between the New York Rangers and the Calgary Flames. And there's a simple reminder, I think, the game is called so tightly now that I think NHL players forget that they could get hit. And, man, was there some awesome hitting in oh, that game. Oh, Kadri so, last night, Jacob Truba. Yeah. How do you do? Yeah, I mean, that's that, that was that was the best part of the whole thing to me. So I um, kind, of, kind of the fact that the, the fact that you come out of an all-star game that doesn't look like your game at all, and then you have that kind of game tells you the playoffs are coming. So I, that's that, that's my takeaway from the weekend, which is a lot of rambling probably for nothing. No, I enjoy it. That's perfect for this show. It's ADD <laughs> Theater. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, you brought up the, the trade with Horvat and then eventually the deal that he signed, but specific to that trade, and we haven't talked with you since um, that trade occurred, I would imagine that from a Blues perspective, that was a good thing. Would you agree, or or how do you how do you see that? Yeah, the Horvat that the Horvat trade was a good thing. Yes, in the sense um, that it, it it set the market, and the market looks pretty good from a seller standpoint. Yeah, except I think what the Blues have to offer, well, maybe not. Yeah, I, I think it sets it where you know you're talking draft pick prospect, and you know, you know, and uh, you know, and, and and a player there, I. Uh, I, I think that the market's going to heat up even more. To be honest with you, I don't. I don't think that that's that's a market per se, because I think what it, eventually what you might see, and 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 the difference is there is it, it's pretty clear that Lou Lamarella wanted to and and had a plan to re-sign him. I mean, they had the framework. They, they clearly had the framework of that deal done. Uh, you know, to to make that trade happen. And when you, now, and and that's really the key. You you get the framework of a deal done when you make a trade someone's willing to pay a little bit more. So let's just, let's, let's take Vladimir Tarasenko just as, as the test subject here. If you were to trade him to a team that he clearly wanted to go to, um, and that team, you give him permission to try and let them know that they are going to be able to re-sign him and get a deal worked out. You, they'll be willing to pay a yeah. higher price yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, yeah. than the other way around. So I, I think maybe that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, do you do you with regards to it heating up? That's that's one thing, and I guess maybe a better way to phrase it is it sets the floor, perhaps not necessarily the ceiling. And with it heating up, and I know you're talking about the price paid from a buyer to a seller. How soon do you think things will go? Is, is this going to be we're going to be waiting until the final hours in March first and second and third, or do you think that we could see some activity here, um, you know, in the super near future? Well, I, th- I think there's always going to obviously be those deals that take right up to the horn to get done, right? Mm-hmm. But the challenge that you have in the National Hockey League is right now, I, I think it's you have 32 teams, and I think 21 of them, or 23 of them, I haven't gone back and looked here in a couple weeks, but around that number are within a couple million dollars of the salary cap. Now, the way to do the quick math is if you take the average salary over the course of the year, divide it by 200, that's the daily value of their cap hit. You've got, what, about 50 days left in the regular season. Multiply that daily number times 50, and that's how much cap space you need, right, to get a deal done. 
a lot of these teams, and you've got 15, 17 teams that are under a million dollars in cap space. Some of them are in long-term IR. The reason I, I say and bring that up, Tim, is it's harder to get a deal done quick because you've got to make sure that the math really works. So what you what you really started to see in recent trade deadlines is that third team to take cap yeah. space. Yeah. So, for example, the Blues, uh, somebody wants to acquire Vladimir Tarasenko at a $7.5 million cap hit, but they don't have enough money to do it. Well, that same team, say, may call up the Arizona Coyotes and say, we'll give you a third-round draft pick. You take $2 million of this cap hit, right? It's essentially like finding a buyer, you know, trading for, you know, the cap space, basically, basically a team – paying you for draft picks, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that you want. So how do you value them? So to me, there's some, because there's so many teams tied up against the cap, I do think that at least the real strong framework of a lot of these deals have to be in place sooner than right up against the trade deadline. Chris Kerber will be on the call when the Blues get back on the ice, taking on the Coyotes this coming Saturday. Blues and Coyotes right here on 101 ESPN. Curbs, enjoy the time with the family. Thank you so much for joining us here, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Appreciate it, man. All right, fellas. Have an awesome week. Thank you. You too. That's Chris Kerber with us here on 101 ESPN. All right, yesterday, Jackson, I came out of Twitter retirement. Uh, What a buzz there was uh, throughout cyberspace. And I posed two questions. The polls are closed. You can go, and you can go check it out for yourself and, and and find out the answer that I'm about to tease you with. Two questions I posed. Do you approve or disapprove of the job Doug Armstrong is doing as the general manager of the Blues? Do you approve or disapprove of the job John Mazalak is doing as the president of baseball operations for the St. Louis Cardinals? We will give you the results of those two Gallup poll questions coming up next here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Balloon Party. Driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you for another 22 minutes of radio pleasure. Jackson, I came out of Twitter retirement yesterday. You did, and there was a buzz. Yeah, there was. Uh, I posed this question. Do you approve or disapprove of the job John Mazalak is doing as the president of baseball operations for the Cardinals? Initially, that by the way, 3,498 votes. We closed the polls this morning at 6 a.m. Mm. They were open for about 20 hours. Mm-hmm. Initially, it was about 48% disapprove, uh, mm-hmm. 52% disapprove. And I don't know what happened over the final 2,000 votes, but strong surge <laughs> as he wound up getting 59% approval. 59% approval. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's a little surprising. It's higher than I would have thought. Yeah, me too. I posed the same question regarding Doug Armstrong. 
approve, disapprove. That only received 1,573 votes. Huh. Surprising. Approval, 71.6%. That that sounds... I, I would have thought it would be in the 60s, but that's closer than what I thought Mazzalek I would have thought that would be in the 70s, and I would have thought Mazzalek would have been in the 40s. Yeah, sub-50 for sure. That's where I thought it would have been. Yeah. Now, this, of course, is incredibly unscientific. Uh, number one, in order to follow me on Twitter, uh, you really have to uh, be demented. Heathen adjacent. Heathen adjacent. Yeah. Wow, I like that. A Not lot. necessarily a heathen, but heathen adjacent. Right. Comfortable with perversion. Certainly. Um, but yes, heathen adjacent. Yeah. So my Twitter following is going to be different than say like Randy Carriker's. Right. So I'd be curious if Randy sent out the exact same thing, what the numbers would be and how much they would change. And I think they would change. I think it. I think Armstrong's number would go down a little bit, and Mosaic's would also go down a little bit. I think the the more sample size or just uh, anything like that, I think they both go down a little. Hmm. I think Armstrong's might go up and Mosaic's might go down. Hmm. Hell, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know Armstrong going up much more. In, in the I, midst I think of this so season. much of it is his equity from 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly, I think a lot of people put 2022, 2023 on him, but they like, in a way, the hand that was played to an extent in the cards that were dealt. Yeah. Another way, the way that things played out, whether it be COVID blowing things up for a team that might have been on their way yeah. to another run. The Petrangelo situation and then the dominoes that fell. Because to me, that I keep going back to that. That is a signature moment in this organization's history. Yeah. And whereas for the Cardinals, even though for some reason when I'm doing this show, that somehow this is debated, which blows me away, but whatever. The Cardinals dodged a bullet on not signing Albert Pujols following 2011. And I don't know how that's debatable, but I guess it's debatable somehow for some people. I totally disagree, but. God bless to each their own. To each their own. Uh, the Blues most likely will not be making another run in the near future, in part because they were not able to come to terms with Alex Petrangelo. Mm -hmm. And then it was compounded by some of the things that then happened because he was no longer a part of the organization. Right. So if you take the position that Doug Armstrong did the best with what he had in those circumstances— but because of those circumstances, you now have Preco playing a role that he shouldn't necessarily be playing without Petrangelo around and Tori Krug here. Yeah, that's how you get into it. But do you not like the deal Binnington right. got? Do you not like the deal Cairo got? Do, not, do you like the deal Thomas got? That's where it can get into a bigger picture thing that is is really kind of uh, irrelevant to the Petrangelo uh, parting of ways and heading to VGK. With regards to Mosaic, you pose this question, um, furthering our discussion from yesterday. Do you think part of the reason Cardinal fans are quicker to pan the front office is due to the generational greatness of the Cardinals and the imprint baseball has had on the region compared to the Blues, who have just recently rose to championship level? If you agree with this premise, how long until we see these two evaluations level out. Well, I think one of the reasons is something that Doug Vaughn brought up on TMA this morning. 
more people played baseball yep. growing up. Now that is definitely closing as far as the number yeah. of people right. who play hockey now. I mean, I'm talking about young people and who played hockey within the last 15 years versus people who were born in the 70s and 80s, such as myself. So that number is closing in, but then also there therefore is a feeling of knowing more about the game and because of this region's love for the game, people talk about the game here than I would imagine more people talk about baseball, say, in Atlanta, even though they got a great team. Yeah. And it's a provincial city versus a transient city, that there is a comfort level with dissenting versus if somebody were to start attacking the blues and they didn't know their ass from a hole in the ground, it would be easy to pick that apart. Yeah. So with that said, I think that plays a role in it. Um, and I also think that for Cardinal fans, um, I think that there is a sense here over the last X amount of years, and again, I think you can I think you can make a case, like if this were a debate class, I could make a case. Like if I if you want to play the role of Dan Orlowski and I wanted to play the role of Stephen A. Smith, we could go, okay, you take a side, I'll take a side, and we can argue that the Cardinals don't spend. And then you can make the case that the Cardinals do spend. Now, you know the one that the audience would like to hear, the majority of the audience would like to hear, they don't spend, and the only he cares about is Ballpark Village and all that 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 stuff. But then you could also make the case, if one would want to, that they have spent and they have spent irresponsibly, and then therefore they're either still paying for those deals or they're now cautious with spending because they were burned on take your pick of whichever one you would like right. to point to. Cause and effect. So, correct, chicken and egg. Yeah. So whether you want to go Fowler, Cecil, Leak, as far as recent phenomena, I mean, dodging Jason Hayward, yeah. dodging David Price, dodging Albert Pools, all three they were interested in. Mm -hmm. And that has played a role in, combined with mediocre regular season performances in 16, 17, 18, and not winning an NLCS game despite being in the playoffs in 19, 20, 21, and 22, that the organization is just happy with winning a division and not concerned with winning a championship. Mm -hmm. So you have a different form of a narrative. But anytime we have this conversation, it's important to state that which is a fact, that one organization has a salary cap to negotiate, one organization is in a sport where it is a free-for-all, and Steve Cohen is on the mission of just going, oh, I'm going to spend a half a billion dollars. I don't care. I'm going to bring the New York Mets their first world championship since 1986, and that is all I really care about, because even if I lose $200 million, it will not impact my life in any way. But if I am the one to bring New York City and the Mets a world championship, I will live forever. So much of what is going on, I feel like, in the 2020s is about legacy. People producing their own documentaries under the guise of being documentaries when they're really own, their own authorized bi biopics. Yeah. And I feel like now you have that to an extent with sports owners. Now, if you are fortunate enough to have an owner who wants to just spend crazy, it can be fun in the offseason, but at some point... Yeah, she's going to drop on it. That's correct. Yeah. So... We'll see what winds up happening with the Mets because he has gone absolutely all out, luxury tax be damned. And that's just not the way that Bill DeWitt is. And also St. Louis does not provide the kind of revenue that New York City does. So along those lines, with both Doug Armstrong and John Mazalock, they are not the managing partners of their respective businesses. They have bosses, Tom Stillman and Bill DeWitt. But they're the ones who get more attention than 
their bosses. Sure, they're perceived as the face of the business side of the team. And I and I understand that, but they, you know, John Mazalek does not have unilateral power to just right. go and do what he wants to do. Same with Doug Armstrong. I just think the bottom line at this moment is the perception is one organization will try to win no matter what, and one organization is happy to just get into the tournament, and that right now is why the Cardinals are dealing with some fan adversity. Despite coming off of what was a great 2022. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Taking the Albert Pools element out of it. That was a great 2022. Really fun season. Super fun season. But would you have said that if you didn't have Albert Pools making a run at 700? See, that's what I'm saying. You got to take that out of it. That was a good team. Uh, yeah, because of Ar- Arenado and Goldschmidt. And then I-, I still think I would have really enjoyed that. Obviously, having Albert was a whole perfect little cherry on top. But it was still, I mean, anytime you get to witness an MVP season in your backyard, and then another guy who was in the top three of voting, you know, you're pretty happy. Uh, Lisa, and you call Lisa a friend of the feather. A gem. Correct. A gem. Uh, Lisa says, uh, how is that wrong? Lisa, you're going to have to elaborate. Yeah, we'll need if a I could, I'd just take, I'd say, Lisa, call in real quick and come on in. But we, Lisa, you can leave a mic drop or you're just going to have to text really quickly. Um, I don't know. I don't know what uh, Lisa's uh, referencing. Let me see. The Cardinals don't care to win championships. That's from the 618. I Not 8618. Oh, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I disagree with that premise. I disagree with the premise. I think that they take a different approach some, than some other teams, but I think the approach, given the track record, has been pretty successful. And only one team wins every year. You know, not really a hot take, but only one team wins every year. And if you're being outspent by a lot of other teams, you got to win in different ways. I mean, the Rays were in the World Series, and their, uh, you know, their payroll was a fraction of what the Dodgers was. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to spend the most to win. That's not how the – if that was the case, the Yankees would have – you know, 13 World Series since 2000. So you've had multiple teams spend a lot of money and not win. That goes without saying, just because of the math of it. And then you also have a number of teams who've gone and done what the Astros did and what the Cubs did, tank. Yeah. And then it didn't necessarily work. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have you seen the Royals in a low spot drafting-wise or the Orioles who've been a dumpster fire? And obviously the Pirates, which have been the most uh, towering inferno of dumpster fires of them all. Right. Uh, so the Cardinals at the moment are in a spot where if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint, you go, man, look at the farm system, and you got Goldschmidt and Arenado, and Jordan Walker could be this next-generation talent. That's incredibly exciting. You know, on the other side of it, who's pitching for this team after this year? And really, who's pitching for this team this year? There are a lot of hopes and ifs, and hopes and ifs are fun at spring training when everybody's in a good mood because you're in warm weather and it's fun to be talking baseball. But then the time rolls around, and you're like, oh, boy, Jack Flaherty's shoulder, and Stephen Matz isn't healthy. And Adam Wainwright, yeah, it's it was great. But, yeah, it's clearly carrying over from September when he had a rough finish to the season and didn't even pitch in the playoffs. That's the thing. You don't know. Right. And that's, that's, the, that's the part where you don't feel like questions were answered minus the catcher question. So I understand the concern on it. And I think for those who are focused on the economic element of it, the, the simple statement of payroll is going to increase, and then payroll, there wasn't a whole lot going on. But it did, in literal form, increase. I'm going to owe you 20 bucks, aren't I? <laughs> Every day that goes by, it looks more and more likely. God, I want that $20. I, and Can they I could... count the minor league signing no, yesterday? No, 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 no. We made a very clear distinction. Play the audio back. Somebody play the audio back. to be a major league player. They could, they could literally sign Doug Vaughn tomorrow, and you would bid $20. 
to a major league roster. Yeah, if they, they, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be a quality player. Anybody, not saying Doug isn't quality, but uh, yeah, it did seem like a shot. But they could sign anybody to the major league roster that plays offense, and I will pay you twenty dollars. But they won't do it. <laughs> I'm starting to think that I'm in trouble here. That'd be back to back. That'd be back to back. Yeah, $20 collections because you had the Jaguars against the Chargers. Oh, wow, that was glorious. All right, uh, we'll take a commercial break. We will come back with the final segment of Balloon Party driven by Munganass St. Louis Acker here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson. For five more minutes, maybe four minutes. A quality four minutes, though. Uh, we just had this uh, discussion uh, on the Cardinals, the Blues, and uh, the results of the exit poll uh, on the Twitter tweets. And John Mazzalek with a 59% approval rating. Doug uh, Armstrong with a 71% approval rating. When Mo shows no emotion and comes up short, it's harder to give him the benefit of the doubt. But Army shows his feelings and seems to easier to have little more slack. I'm sure that was an autocorrect. But I guess what the person's saying is they like that Armstrong shows emotion. Hmm. That's that's my summation. Well, of it. Tim, what have we talked about before? You never make a business decision based on emotion. I agree with that. Don't make a business decision based on emotion. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's fun until they still don't win. It backfires and he spends all his money, then gets tired, upset it didn't work, and goes back to not caring about winning and then making some money back. That's from the 636. I think that's about Steve Cohen of the Mets. Oh. I think. It's a slippery slope fallacy. Um, From the 314, tell Jackie Boy to post the damn TMA podcast to Spotify. Stop planning your camping trip and do your job. That's from the 314. The TMA texters are coming in here telling yeah. you. This is, a post- safe, this is a safe zone. This is your safe space. Oh, well, no, it's not. There's... <laughs> No such thing. Um, it's uh, I'm not going to answer that. It's up. Uh, my knowledge. Lisa is back. She's a gem. Uh, OMG, got in the car. I was so calm. Now I'm fired up. Mo hasn't hired a manager correctly. LOL, Lisa. Thanks for getting my blood going. LMAO, Lisa. How is that wrong, Lisa? Because of Walt Jockety's athletes, Lisa. I feel like huh. I'm playing a game show. I want to try and figure out what she's trying to say. Yeah, I it's think... like Dick Clark in the $25,000 pyramid. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what she's trying to say. Walt Jockety is before my time, so. Walt Jockety, like many of you, did not like me. <laughs> really? Oh. <laughs> he really did not. I, when I was working uh, in television in Little Rock, he came down in the Cardinals AA affiliate with the Arkansas Travelers in Little Rock. And me being this huge Cardinal fan, I mean, for real, it was, it was the equivalent of 2023 of a guy like who lives on Twitter with Cardinal takes, <laughs> getting access to the general manager. And in Walt Jockety, of course, is down there to watch a rehab assignment for some major league player. And he's like, okay, here's some guy who's living in squalor in Arkansas <laughs> who wants to spend, you know, a minute with me. And, and all of a sudden, I start holding him accountable <laughs> in, in the middle of Arkansas. <laughs> and and I recall, I'm like on my seventh question. I go, just one more question. He goes, yeah, let's wrap this up. <laughs> that may, nothing but confidence after that. <laughs> That's 1999. Eight years later, eight years later, it's still going on. And... Uh, you know, he 
He, I, remember, I remember after they got swept by the Red Sox in 2004, and it was the weirdest deal because, you know, they had an incredible baseball team get swept in the World Series. Right. But because it was swept, they were swept, and it was just never close, right? never close that that clubhouse following that World Series. And I know some of the guys who listen, who were on that 2004 team listen to the show may be able to confirm this via text. I'm not saying they didn't. They weren't upset. They were upset, but it was as painless as a right. death could be. If considering, a, right? If it was Game Seven, they lost on a walk-off. Right. Home I saw run. like guys crying after they lost the Diamondbacks in the first round in 2001. But it was so. And Jockety saw me, and he goes, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "You were in a good place until I popped up." <laughs> and because of my height, you know, I could sneak up on you. Yeah, you it's know. true. It's like Barry Sanders behind the line of scrimmage. All of a sudden, you've been compared to Barry Sanders. I was. A I didn't times. want to say it, but you said it, and yeah. I agree. Two yeah. greats who just hand the ball to the official and go on about their job and yeah. never call attention to themselves by say saying calling themselves greats. <laughs> Time for us to go. BK and Ferrario are up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganet, St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101. ESPN.